Hello, I'm Dr. Joseph Kern, and welcome to A Radiant Moment. Get ready to receive helpful insights and a relevant word for today's world. For service times, live streaming, and location, visit us online at RadiantLifeAZ.com. Now, let's listen in as we bring you a powerful and dynamic word for your life today. This is A Radiant Moment with Dr. Joseph Kern. We've been doing a 16-week series, 16-week. We did six weeks already just on Genesis 6. Why so long a series? Why? Because no one's talking about this because very few people actually understand the ramifications of Genesis 6. And I believe we are so close. In fact, today, I'm putting all those six weeks together and showing you how a lot of this is happening right now. That's why today's message is Genesis 6. Let me get to the bottom. Genesis 6 reveals Satan's endgame. That's today's message. Genesis 6 reveals Satan's endgame. Part 1 and part 2 will be next week. Amen. Are we ready to begin? All right, let's put our hands in our eyes and let's pray the prayer. Say, Holy Spirit, give us 4D vision that we might understand the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth of your word. In Jesus' name. Come on, high five two people. That means game on. Amen. We're ready to get it going. The prophetic significance of Genesis 6 is so profound that Jesus said you have to go all the way back to the antediluvian days to understand these days. For those who don't know what antediluvian, it means before the flood. Jesus said if you want to understand what it's going to be like in last days, he says you have to study Genesis 6. Look at Matthew 24, 37 through 38. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now, many people know this scripture, but so many people, all they know is that there was a flood and there were a bunch of animals making a mess on the ark and Noah had to clean it up. There was a lot more going on than just a flood. And in order to understand the days we live in, the Bible says that we have to study Genesis 6. And there are three profound things that I want to give you really quickly, even before we start off, that we've already looked at, but you might not have paid attention closely. Did you notice that one of the, one of the three major things that took place during the days of Noah was first is Enoch's translation. In Genesis 5.25, it says Enoch, Enoch was and he was not. And you go, what the heck does that mean? You have to go all the way to the New Testament, Hebrews 11.5, to understand what is this Enoch was and then he wasn't. And here it is. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was, found, was not found because God had translated him. For his translation, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Oh my God. So what we learn is that in the days of Noah... One man was literally raptured before the, before the destruction. So Enoch is a picture, a shadow, a type of the New Testament church being raptured up before the destruction. Come on. Remember, as the days of Noah, so shall it be in the last days. And you go, but pastor, Enoch was one man. Yes, and the body of Christ is one body. Jesus, one man. Isn't that powerful? So now you can get into, you know, theological arguments like, well, are you um, pre-flood, post-flood, or mid-flood? 
Well, I'm pre-flood because it seems like Enoch was taken before the flood. Come on, amen? But there were some that were taken through the flood. Uh-oh. Is there some theological ramification on that? I think there is. But the point is, there was a rapture that took place during the days of Noah. Second thing, there was an alien invasion of the sons of God in Genesis 6, which is a precursor to the future. So also in Genesis 6, there was literally an alien invasion. The fallen beings, the fallen ones came down. And the Bible says, like the days of Noah, so shall it be. So get ready for an alien invasion, according to Genesis 6. The third thing. Now, we've been covering this for six weeks. The appearance of a genetically engineered Nephilim are fallen ones who become known as the men of renown. That's the part a lot of us forget. Not only did, was there an alien invasion, if you will, of foreign entities, spiritual entities that came on the earth and materialized, but shortly after that, there was this genetically engineered group of people called the Nephilim. And they begin to rule the earth and they change the whole earth structure. And the Bible says, like it was in the days of Noah, so shall we. So get ready for that. We are told, though, here's the part where it gets spooky. We are told that in the last days that the sons of God will make a final attempt to deceive mankind. In other words, they're coming back. The Bible tells us this. In 1 Timothy 4, let's go there, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, the last days, which are now, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, underline seducing right now. Even if you have an eye, you can phone, man, man, get that pen and underline seducing. And doctrines of devils. So the Bible tells us in the last days that seducing spirits will arrive. Well, and here's what's crazy. We know according to Revelation 9, 14 through 15, that four of the worst fallen angels will be released back into the earth during the great tribulation to wreak havoc. Look at Revelation 9, 14 through 15. Saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates, our modern Babylon, and the four angels were loose, which were prepared for an hour, a day, a month, and a year to slay a third part of men. Saints, this is the future. That four angels who are chained in Babylon. And we know why they were chained. The Bible says they were chained for what? For committing what? Fornication. That in the last days, they're released on the earth. See, this is the part that we forget. And the Bible says at their appearance... They're, they're able to go from one dimension into the earth dimension. And when they do, they have an army that follows them. And guess what? They kill one third of the planet. Not spooks one third of the planet. Kills one third of the planet. And you want to know why I'm teaching on this? Now, here we find out what is the deception. Because the Bible says they're, they're using deception. This will blow your mind. The Apostle Paul reveals what kind of spirits will be deceiving men in the latter days. He calls them seducing spirits. Remember I told you to underline that? According to the Strong's Concordance, which is a Greek dictionary, a seducing spirit is, quote, an imposter, misleader, or a deceiver. The word seducing, listen to this. I hope you're paying attention. The word seducing comes from the original Greek word planos. Say planos where we get the word planets from. Pay attention. 
A seducing spirit, therefore, is a spirit that pretends or masquerades as a being from another planet. The Apostle Paul reveals that many will turn away from the faith due to the demonic spirits masquerading as gods from another planet. How did Paul know this? Where he said, and some will even depart from the faith. How do you get a firm believer to almost depart from the faith? If you're an ignorant believer and have not studied the end times and then go to church like Rain Light that exposed the end times and then when you all of a sudden see these angelic beings masquerading as gods from other places, you're going to be questioned, where is God? I see the gods. And if you don't think we're getting ready for that invasion, we're there. And in order to understand, how did Apostle Paul know they were going to pretend to be from other planets in the last days? Because he also knows history. You need to ask yourself, when the fallen angels appeared, how did they appear when they landed? I can tell you this, they did not come down and say, hi, we're the devil. <laughs> come on, saints. They came down, we're the gods from another planet. How do we know that? The existence of flying humanoid gods who came to earth, interacted with, and even interbred with mankind are found extensively in the literature of ancient Egypt, Greeks, the Incas, the Mayas, Hindus, Native Americans, others. Every one of these ancient cultures talked about the gods who came down, had sex with women, produced giants, and they were destroyed by a flood. Every one of those cultures. Sounds like Genesis 6 to me. Let's look at the Sumerians, which is now Babylon. The Bible used to call it um, Shinar. The land of Shinar is Sumer, the Sumerians. We, their records, the most ancient records we have, come from the Sumerians from 3000 BC. Their records tell of gods descending from the stars and fertilizing their ancestors. What you're looking right now is an ancient clay cylinder tablet which is suggestive of an ancient flying ship floating above the ground with wings. So look, at, you're looking at something that's two to 3,000 B.C. on a clay cylinder tablet. And notice they show the gods, and he's coming down. It looks like a spaceship with a tripod. Isn't that interesting? That's how they came down. In ancient Assyria, there's the story of Asher, the winged god of war. He is typically represented as a humanoid form, bow in hand, but adjacent to a winged disc. Notice Behind him looks like a UFO with wings. And I think what they're depicting is the thing flew. That's how he came to earth. Now remember, this is a thousand years old. Hello, saints. UFOs aren't new. Let's look at ancient Egypt. Throughout the mythology of ancient Egypt, we find numerous stories of flying gods who came down to instruct and guide the ancient Egyptians. The sun god known as Ra was lord of the universe and flew in a celestial boat. There's the celestial boat of Ra. Look at this next picture. An Egyptian papyrus depicts Ra arrive on earth in a flying disc. Look at that. Again, like the Babylonian one, it's a flying disc with, and it looks like it has a tripod. And that is what Ra traveled in. Isn't that wild? Horus was depicted, in fact, there's a story of Horus, excuse me, a descendant of Ra and the son of Isis who was the god of the sky, light, and goodness. Horus was depicted as a falcon or a falcon-headed man, which you're looking at right now. He was one of the gods who, according to Egyptian mythology, listen to this, he flew on the, quote, winged disc of Ra, quote, which shined with many colors. So even in their ancient depictions, he flew in this disc that shined with many different colors. Let's look at Josephus' writing. 
he is a historian from the time of Christ, first century historian who was, um, again, a Romano-Jewish scholar, historian, hagiographer, and it, he suggests in his writings that the story of the Greek gods is nothing more than a human remembrance of the times of the Nephilim. Look at his works uh, in Josephus 3, 1. Look at, for many angels of God accompanied with women and beget sons that proved unjust. Now remember, this is 2,000 years old, written at the time of Jesus. And despisers of all that was good in account of the confidence that they had in their own strength. For the tradition is that these men did what resembled the acts of those whom the Grecians called giants. In Josephus' commentary of Genesis 6, they asked, the Romans asked him to explain this. He says, what you're reading is the story of what you know as the Grecian gods. And that's what Genesis 6 is talking about. So even Josephus, in his theology, connects Genesis 6 with what we call Greek mythology. We only call it mythology because we can't understand it. So we think they were crazy. But how, how many of you know that there were Greek gods? In the form of they weren't gods, they pretended to be gods. They were masquerading like the Apostle Paul said. My point is, how does the Apostle Paul know this? Because that's how they arrived the first time. They masqueraded as gods from other planets. By the way, let's look at the Greek folklore. Remember the Titans? They were the giants who were the offspring of the gods and their human wives. They were partly terrestrial, earthly, partly celestial, heavenly. They rebelled against their father Uranus. Does this not sound familiar? After a prolonged contest, they were defeated by Zeus, and they were condemned into Tartarus, the same place that the apostle Peter mentioned that the Nephilim were condemned, not the Nephilim, excuse me, the sons of God were condemned to. Remember that? We study this. Are you ready for this? The word Titan in Greek is the same Chaldean word as Shaitan, which is the Hebrew word Satan. So when you say, remember the Titans, you're actually saying, do you remember Satan? Titan is the story of the fallen beings. It's the same name. Titan is Satan. Isn't that wild? I want to show you something else that was new to me. The Amorites, you can read about them in Deuteronomy 2, verses 10 through 25. All historians say that they are the founders of Babylon. And they are biblically linked, Amorites, to the Anakim who were driven out of the Holy Land by Moses. We talked about them last week. Both Amorite kings Sihon and Og were known to be giants and defeated by Moses. Now, here's something that was just discovered. This is awesome. Scholars have translated the Ugaritic funeral text, RS 34.126, which documents a ritual to summon the spirits of the Rephaim and the council of the Diranu. In fact, let's look at this. They're about to go to war, the Amorites, and they call, look at, you are summoned, O Rephaim of the earth. So they literally, in this, started calling all the giants of the earth to come fight with them, because they were giants themselves. Notice also what they say. You are invoked, O council of Dadanu. Are you ready for this? This will blow your mind. Guess what Dudanu is? Dudanu is nothing other than the word, it's the Greek word for the Titans. So even in the days of Moses, they still called them the Titans. And, but they, in, in, in the Ugaritic tongue, it was um, Didanu in Greek, Titans. Come on. So they, they're, it's not mythology. It's just historians don't know what to do with this. But you better learn what to do with it because the Bible says they're returning. In Genesis 6, 
They're called men of renown. Look at Genesis 6, 4. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became, look at this, mighty men which were of, underline, old men of renown. The message translation calls them, listen to this, quote, these were the mighty men of ancient lore, the famous ones. So the biblical inference is that Genesis 6 is the origin of all the famous men found in the ancient stories. Now, those stories might have been enhanced. They might have been enlarged. But the Bible clearly says all those stories you heard of, their origin is here. When the sons of God produced the Nephilim, either through sexual activity, our genetic altering, or a little bit of both. And I believe it's both. So now we know when they came to the earth, how they came down. In all these ancient works, we see them arriving in, in what we would call UFOs. Flying things, even with tripods, and, 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 they, and they exerted many colors. So we know how they landed. So now we know the UFO connection, and now you should begin to understand why in the last 50 years there's more UFO sightings than ever before. In fact, I showed you a quote that right now in, in the United States has the most. There's more UFO sightings than ever. Why is it getting? Because the Bible says as it gets closer, it'd be like a woman giving birth. And what happens, those travail, became, those, tra those travail pains become stronger, and they're getting stronger in America. Why? Because we're getting ready for an invasion, saints. So how, now we know what they, what, they, what they came in, if you will, to fool people. But what did they look like? Guess what? We have that documented too. Ancient cave art, thousands of years old from all over the world, has preserved their appearance when they landed. In the central Kimberley district of Australia, a rock painting maybe 40,000 years old, that's according to geologists, was discovered in which depicts the mythical mouthless gods of creation, Volyinda, the object of worship by ancient natives of that region. Look really close. This is supposed to be 40,000 years old artwork. In the central Kimberley district of Australia, a rock painting, again, notice this. With their large oval eyes and their oversized eyes, large oval heads, excuse me what I meant to say, and their oversized eyes, the resemblance to the modern extraterrestrials called greys, the aliens depicted in Steven Spielberg's blockbuster movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, is striking. That's what we call a grey. Go back. Not much difference. That's how they supposedly landed, how they appeared, the gods. And you wonder why they're appearing as these grays. That's how they appeared the first time. But they came in many shapes because they claim to be from different parts of, the, of galaxies. Let's look at this next one. The cave painting is, they say, 10,000 BC. It is from Val Comonica, Italy. It appears to depict, look at this, it appears to depict two beings in protective suits holding strange implements. Notice the halo-looking object over their heads, which is identical to the ones to your right from Toro Muerto, Peru. Notice they're very similar. They got these halos and looks like some scientific... These are 10,000 years old. The gods. Let's look at some Native American art, the Holy Ghost panel. That's what they call it, from Barrier Canyon, Utah. Archaeologists said this is 1,000 B.C. This is bizarre. Archaeologists have struggled to interpret the strange figures that are depicted on the Great Gallery. In addition to many smaller figures, the huge panel contains about 20 life-size human shapes, all of which have a strange mummy-like appearance. They lack arms or legs and often have huge insect-like eyes and skull-shaped heads. Most interesting of all is the figures known as the great ghosts in attendance. Notice the great ghosts in attendance there. That's what the Native Americans call him. He's a, he's a giant. 
And he's very out, outer worldly looking. Let's look at the Landelof plate from 7,000 BC found in Nepal. This is wild. Look at this. Notice the aircraft soaring above, up above the right of the humanoid being just below it. On the bottom of the plate, it looks like a gray. You can see the being. He's walking. Now, this is a plate 7,000 years old. And right above his head, you can see I encircled the, the it looks like a UFO. It's, a, it's some type of craft. And if you follow the loop, it ends up going into the solar system where the sun is. It's like depicting a cartoon of where this thing's headed. Isn't that wild? Now, notice the next picture. This one, it gets even stranger. This is 6,000 BC. It's a prehistoric rock art. That is clearly some kind of craft. There's people looking through the window of the craft. But here's what's weird. There's people flying towards the craft and cattle. It looks like, uh, like what we would call an alien abduction. You read about it. John Mack of Harvard has studied it for 30 years. They claim it's... This is... Cave art, thousand years old. Look at, you got cattle flying. And, and if you know anything about the modern UFOlogy, a lot of cattle are taken. And sometimes when they're brought back, they land on trees or poles. They go, how did that cow get up there? And usually the blood's all missing. Um, very nefarious things going on. But notice this is being depicted in, what is it, 6,000 BC? Let's go to the next one, the India cave wall, 1,000 BC. Here's a, go to the next one. Thank you. Here's a clear image of what looks like an alien or ET in a spacesuit can be seen in one cave painting along with a classical flying saucer shaped UFO that appears to be either beaming something down or beaming something up. It's to its um, right, our right. And what might be an ancient UFO abduction scenario. Again, it looks like it's taking something. There's a force field or trail of some sort is seen at the rear of the UFO. The object in the upper portion is thought to be a wormhole displaying how the aliens travel to and from Earth. Now, that's not what they tell us. That's what we think we're seeing is a wormhole, and they're coming from one dimension to another, and that's what you see at the top. But isn't that really weird? Now, either they had some ancient people on some serious grass and hallucinogens, or they saw some stuff. Come on. I think what you're seeing is how they arrived. And they depicted it. And it's in all this ancient art. So you should, now remember, Jesus said, like it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be what? In the days of the Son of Man. At the reappearance, I'm talking about in the future now, follow me. Jesus revealed that many people will have heart attacks when they see these things descend. Look at Luke 21, 25 through 26. <coughs> Excuse me. And there should be signs in the sun. And in the moon and in the stars, notice Jesus is talking about the heavens. And upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Here's where it gets serious. Men's hearts felling them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven, which is speaking of angelic parties, shall be shaken. What is it talking about? Well, I hope you've been here for the last six weeks. Revelation 12, there's a war in heaven angelic beings, and Satan is forced down because he knows his time is short, and you know how, he, how he's going to appear. And Jesus says, when he appears, that men's hearts are going to fail. They're going to stop working. Now, let me tell you something. A lot of people, you know, when we talk about the last days, people talk about World War III and nuclear war, and people, you know what? Nuclear war doesn't scare people no more. In the 50s, people would hide under a desk. You've seen it, right, because they're afraid of nuclear war. Now people are like, bring it on. But you start having something that looks like 
Independence Day, the movie. You're like, what the heck? I thought this was not real. Come on, talk to me. You're going to have people having heart attacks on the scene. And the Bible says some will depart from the faith because they weren't prepared. Man, this is good stuff. Now, here's, we're going to get deep. Are you ready to get deep with me? Come on, pinch your neighbor. Say, don't fall asleep now. We're getting good. Why are people going to have heart attacks? Here's where I'm going to tell you something I don't think you've heard. One of the things we learned from history is that many of the giants were cannibals. We read further in the book of Jubilees, which the Bible quotes. It's a non-canon book, but it's a book of history. Even the Bible quotes it so I can quote it. Look at Jubilees chapter 7, verse 21 through 24. From fornication and uncleanness and all iniquity, for owing to these three things came the flood upon the earth. So again, the writer Jubilees is talking about why the flood came. Let's keep right and let's keep reading. Namely, owing to the fornication wherein the watchers, watchers in this context are the angels. The watchers against the law of their ordinances went a whoring after the daughters of men. And they took themselves wives of all which they chose, and they made the beginning of uncleanness. And they beget sons, the Naphtim, and they were all unlike. In other words, it says there, there were many races of giants. And they devoured what? One another. And the giants slew the Nephil, which is a different one. And the Nephil slew the Eljoy, which is another race. And the Eljoy, mankind. In other words, the Eljoy specifically liked to eat people. And one man another. And everyone sold himself to work iniquity and to shed more blood. And the earth was filled with iniquity. And after this, they sinned against the beasts and birds and all that moves and walks on earth. And much blood was shed on the earth. And every imagination and desire of men imagined vanity and evil continually. Now, let me show you the same story, but in the book of Enoch. Again, we have a quote from Jude, the book of Enoch. Enoch's not canon, but they considered history. So if they quoted it, I can quote. Look at Enoch chapter 7, verse 2 through 6. And they became pregnant. Again, he's commenting on Genesis 6. And they bear great giants whose height was 3,000 L's. Now, I left this part out of the story. If you want to do a Google search what an L is, you'll find out that the giants before the flood were five times larger than the giants after the flood. The giants after the flood, we studied it last week. Many of the ones that, um, that the, that the um, children of Israel faced, they were 36 feet. Remember, we actually measured it through the Bible. And some might have been 60, but at least an average was 35 feet. Well, according to Enoch, this is before the flood. They were, look at this, how many L's? 3,000 L's, which if you do your notes, it's almost 400 feet. So the ones before the flood were massive. God had to destroy them with a flood. They were limited in their sights, though still big. And it might have been because the shift of, of, of the earth's at, um, axis and therefore, and because of the destruction of uh, the water canopy, they couldn't grow as fast or as big. But they still got big. Anyways, let's continue. Let's continue. Who consumed all the acquisitions of men. And when men could no longer sustain them, the giants turned against them and what? devoured mankind, and they begin to sin against birds and beasts. And so one of the things that the Nephilim did was they liked, not all of them, but many of them liked to eat men. They were cannibals. Come on, say cannibal. That means someone who eats people. You know what that word comes from Babylon? Cannas is priests. Ball is ball. Cannibal, the priests of Baal. 
So why do we call them cannibals? Because the priests of Baal were involved in eating humans. That word still means the priest of Baal, cannibal. Why did they do that? Because that's how the giants instructed them to do that. So all the way from Mesopotamia, all the way to Mesoamerica, even in here, what were they doing? The, the, the witch doctors, they were what? Sacrificed to the temple, eating blood, because that's what the Nephilim did. In fact, all blood sacrifice begins with the Nephilim. In fact, I told you last week, the Vatican had the, the, the book of Og locked up for 13 generations. They just released it and only part of it. Well, guess what? In the writings of the book of Og, Og is commanding his subjects, all the men who are of little, st little stature, he says, eat them. But don't touch the women because we need them. Isn't that crazy? So even in ancient documents like that, we hear Og saying, all the men of normal stature, eat them. In fact, should I even say this? When he looked at Moses, he says, you're nothing but a bag of manure. Do you not know who I am? And I think that got Moses a little mad. Anyways, let's continue. I got so much to share. In Greek mythology, many of the giants were cannibals. Nukia of Homer suffers eternal torture in the Tartarus region of the underworld. Why? For providing the gods of the feast for which he stews his own son's pelops. So that dude was placed in Tartarus because he fed the gods his son. Polyphemus, son of Poseidon, the giant with one round eye, grasps a pair of Greeks who entered his cave, one in each hand, and smashed their heads to kill them, then dismembered and chomped down on them. Kronos, the emperor of the Titans, who fathered the first of the Olympians with his wife Rhea, ate his own children to protect his throne from being taken by one of them. What I'm trying to tell you, that it was well known that the history of giants, many of them were cannibals. They were into eating people. In fact, when you study the Native American legends, I left this out to get to this part. All the Native Americans, by the way, had encounters with giants, and you can read about them. The Choctaw Indians, according to Horatio Bardwell Cushman, he wrote in his 1899 book, History of the Choctaw, Chickasaw, and Notchev Indians, excuse me if I mispronounce that, quote, the tradition of the Choctaws told of a race of giants that once inhabited the now state of Tennessee, with whom their ancestors fought with when they arrived in Mississippi in their migration from the West. Their tradition states that the Nuhulo, the race of giants, was of wonderful stature. In fact, Cushman said Nuhulo came to be used to describe all white people, but originally referred specifically to a giant white race with whom the Choctaw came to contact when they first crossed the Mississippi River. The Nuhulo were said to be cannibals whom the Choctaw killed whenever the opportunity arose. The giants came originally from the east and used mammoths as beasts of burden. This is according to their history. According to the Paiutes, who we studied last week, remember they actually burned down one of their caves and we actually have leftover giant skulls and, I mean, that are authenticated? Well, why did, this, why did they burn down their cave? Well, the red-haired giants stood as tall as 12 feet, according to the Paiutes, and they were vicious and they were an unapproachable people that killed, according to their history, and ate captured Paiutes as food. They got tired of it. In fact, in the cave, there's still burn marks and there's a handprint left over from a giant and they say that hand belongs to an 18-foot person. We saw that last week. What I did not tell you was the reason why the Indians got mad, they were tired of being eaten. They began to fight back. Pastor, why are you talking about this? Because the Bible says they're coming back. You need to know why men's hearts are falling all over the place, failing. 
Not because of nuclear bombs. Come on. An online article by Before It's News has a title, When Nephilims Arrive. Notice, this is not a Christian article. When Nephilims arrive back on earth, chances are they'll eat us. According to many, this is what the article says, according to many scientists appearing on Discoveries Through the Wormhole series, any intelligent life that happens to stumble on earth would most likely be predatory. Their superior intelligence would cause them to look at humans as prey. Isn't it interesting that secular scientists are calling UFOs Nephilim? Genesis 6, they're using Genesis 6 term, and they're saying if they come, more than likely they're probably going to feed, feed on us. Now, I hope you're awake. I'm about to show you something that's absolutely amazing. There's a guy by the name of Jeremy. He died when he was 10 years old. He came back alive, and he told the most amazing story to his mother. And because it's long, I have to cut it down. But know this, a lot of his story has been authenticated now. He passed away two years later because his family believed he fulfilled his role, which part of it was to share this story I'm about to share with you now. Pay attention. Listen Hi, really brothers closely. and sisters. I wanted to share my son, my oldest son, his near-death experience that he had when he was 10 years old. Now, since then, um, he actually had died when he was 13 years old. And I know I'm going to see him again in heaven. I wanted to tell you that before he actually died, he had a near-death experience in which he was 10 years old and he was dead for a total of 40 minutes. I am going to get into his near-death experience right now. I'm going to tell you what exactly he told me when he died and when he was brought back, what he told me on the details. This is what he said. He was shown the future. He said he was shown that there was going to be a World War III that was going to take place on the earth. He said his brother was going to get into the army and that his brother was going to get on the wrong side in life, which he's referring to my son, Daniel. He said he was gonna get on the wrong side in life, but he would figure it out in the end. I asked him, I said, well, where was I during this World War III? He said, you were not on earth. He said, I, he said you were already in heaven. Apparently, I'm going to be up in heaven before this happens. He said, with World War III, he said, Mom, he said, people think they are going to have to worry about World War III. He said, that's not what people have to worry about, Mom. He said, there's something bad and evil coming. And I said, oh, really? I said, what's that? And he said, it's the war of the demons, the war of the alien demons. That's what he called them. He called them alien demons. He said that there were these creatures, these demon alien type creatures, and he said they were evil, and they were part of Satan's army, and that Satan was going to wage war upon this world and try to destroy everyone here. And he said World War III is going to be bad. He said, but it's nothing, nothing compared to the war that is coming from the alien demonic beings. He said they were going to come to Earth and try to destroy it and they were going to eat people. This is what he told me. He said they were going to eat people. These demon, demon alien things. And as you know, there are no aliens. 
they are going to portray themselves as aliens, but they're demons. He said they were demons. He called them demonic aliens, but he said they were demons. They were creatures, and they were from Satan, and he said they were going to wage war upon this earth, and they were going to eat people, and, and I was like, oh, wow, you know. So that was what his experience was, you guys. That's what my son told me. And what is so weird is my other son, he hasn't had his brother in so many years because, you know, he died. It's been like uh, over 16 years that he's been gone. And what's funny, not funny, <laughs> actually it's not really funny is my son did join the army that is actually lining up he's not in the army now but he was so that is actually lining up with exactly what my son told me about what would happen so I have a feeling what's going to happen is my son being he was in the army at one time is going to be drafted when World War 3 begins Wow. So the vision of the boy was that everyone's worried about World War III, he says, but what they need to worry about is the war of the alien demons. And he's describing Revelation chapter 9. That's why, and then we know, why do you call them, why do you say they're demons? Because Paul said they would masquerade as what? They're from another planet. Saints, and you want to know why I'm teaching this? This may seem like science fiction right now. Or what is pastor doing? Don't we have better things to do? There's going to be a day when people are going to come and rewind and go back to the service. Okay? Now, here's what's crazy. Are you, ready? are you ready to keep going through? You took the pill, the red pill, right? What did the fallen angels teach mankind? Let's go to Enoch chapter 7, 1 through 2. And this is going to blow your mind. When they came down, they, 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 they said, we're going to take you to another level. We're going to take you to another level in technology, technology advance. They taught them charms and enchantments, cutting of roots, made them acquainted with plants. And Azazel taught men to make swords and knives. Oh, well, let me stop there. Azazel. Does that sound familiar to you? Any of you scholars? Where does Azazel come from? Azazel is the scapegoat according to the book of Numbers. So even one of the scapegoat, his name is what? Azazel, the Bible tells us. So a lot of you see names and you don't even pay attention. So even where there was a pick, where you picked between the goats, one of them was named Azazel, who represented one of these fallen beings. See, all through the Old Testament, if you don't know, I'll tell you again, if you don't understand Genesis 6, you don't understand half the Bible, at least the Old Testament. But for time's sake, what did they teach them? All forms of witchcraft, herbology, naturopathic remedies, war technology, taught the knowledge of blacksmiths, antimony, knowledge of chemical compounds. This is the Bible. I mean, well, at least according to um, 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 the Ethian um, Enoch, taught them co cosmetics, the arts of jewels, astrology, taught them the knowledge of the heavens. You know what's so crazy? So when these beings came down, how did they learn men into their spell? By teaching all this technology. Which is fascinating because some of the stuff we still can't duplicate to this day. Which is fascinating because supposedly when they landed the second time in 1947, 
almost all of our technology we have now, many claim came from Roswell. I'm going to give you testimony next week. You're going to hear the testimony. Almost all that stuff on your phone supposedly comes from Roswell. Hmm. From the beings that gave technology the first time. Let's keep going. I know you're looking at me crazy, but that's why you're here. We need to study, and you need to understand that there was genetic engineering going on in the days of Noah. The sons of God were also involved with genetically altering and mixing animal DNA and infusing it with human DNA. Jasher, a historical document that the Bible authors have quoted, read Joshua 10, 13, 2 Samuel 1, 18, they quote Jasher. Now I'm going to quote it. Reveals some of the activities of the fallen angels. Let's quote Joshua 4, 18. And their judges and rulers went to the daughters of men and took their wives by force from their husbands according to their choice. And the sons of men in those days took from the cattle of the earth, the beasts of the field, and the fowls of the air, and taught the mixture of animals of one species with the other, in order therewith to provoke the Lord. And God saw the whole earth, and it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted its ways upon earth, all men and all animals, and they began to sin against birds, and beasts, and reptiles, and fish, and to devour one another's flesh, and drink the blood. So here the Bible tells us that the sons of God, they came or one of the things they began to do was genetic engineer, creating whole new species out of two different species. How are they able to? Because these are, and an, they have angelic intelligence. The Bible says they rejoice when the world was created. They understand DNA. Let's continue. There's a book called the Book of Giants. It was found, it's, it's actually from the Book of Enoch, which has been reconstructed from the Dead Sea Scrolls. So what I'm about to show you is a fragment that they found in the Dead Sea Scrolls 200 years before Christ was born. Look at this. According to this fragment, 200 angels, by the way, that shouldn't sound unfamiliar to you because we know it was 200 days in the days of who? Jared, remember? His name means they shall descend. Well, according to this fragment, two angels, 200 angels, check this out, chose animals on which to perform unnatural acts, including presumably humans. Look at the fragment, um, IQ 23, fragment 1 plus 6. And notice it says 200, two donkeys, 200 um, asses, 200 rams of the flock, 200 goats, 200 beasts of the field from every bird. And then it says for misgenination. I'd looked that up. Misgeneration, listen to this. It comes from two Latin words, meaning mature, translated to mix, and genus, translated kind. So what were they doing? They were mixing these different kinds of animals. According to the definition of miscegenation, it goes further. This process of mixing is usually done through marriage, cohabitation, sexual relations, or procreation. So again, there was genetic engineering and somehow sex was involved also. And if you missed last week where I talked about sex, witchcraft, you need, you need to go. We don't have time. Again, that's why it's 16 weeks. We're building and I'm taking you somewhere. Now, what was the outcome of these fallen beings doing miscegenation, excuse me. Look at fragment two. It says they defiled and they begot giants and monsters. So the result of them putting animals together and, and humans and says they produce monsters and they produce what? Giants. Now, wow. Let me tell you what they were doing here. Why were they mixing these animals, what we call chimeras? The result of intermingling animal, listen, in human DNA, that's what they were doing, is an abominable beast that is neither fully animal or human. Why? Listen close. I'm about to give you the answer why they were doing this. The sons of God 
were preparing soulless bodies in which they could inhabit in order to operate on the earth effectively. Every species, including humans, can only reproduce after their own kind, resulting in a man or animal soul encased in a body. This is Genesis 1.25. God programmed it so that a soul is released at the DNA level when the sperm of a species comes into contact with the egg of the same species. Animal DNA genetically manipulated and fused with human DNA results in a soulless carcass in which a spirit entity can possess. That's why many of the gods in the ancient civilizations, including Egypt, had men's bodies with various animal heads. Did you just hear what I said? Why do you see all the Egyptian gods with animal heads but uh, human bodies? Because they were creating a soulless body. Which crazy, read Revelation 9, and it describes the army looking like that. Let's watch um, Ancient Genetic Engineering History Channel. I want, I want you to listen to this. We have ancient descriptions from Egypt where it says specifically that the gods created these chimeras, mixed beings or hybrids. We find paintings where you have a human body with a cut-off head and a red tube coming out of it and next to it you have just the head of some animal and in the next picture because they're like they look like comic strips almost and in the next picture you see the same human body with the animal head attached to the human neck incredibly Examples of strange human-animal hybrid beings date back to a time even older than ancient Egypt. According to mainstream archaeology, ancient Sumeria is the earliest civilization of humankind. And the interesting part is the fact that their earliest writings are filled with references of these bizarre beings that descended from the sky called the Anunnaki. Anunnaki means those who from the heavens came. Could it be that right now Satan through satanic people is engineering genetically modified bodies that when they finally come out of the dimension possess those bodies come on the earth? You don't want to miss next week. Because I'm going to give you information from someone I know who actually used to work on Area 51. You don't want to miss next week. You will not hear this. You will not find this online, friend of mine. That's why you come to Radiant Life. Amen. King David and his mighty men often ran into Nephilim who had animal characteristics. Go to 2 Samuel 23.20. Notice, and Benaiah the son of Jehoda, the son of a valiant man of Cosbazel, who had done many acts, he slew two Lion like men of Moab who went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in the time of snow. If you read the whole context, it goes through all the giants that David and his 30 mighty men encountered. One guy ran into to a dude, two dudes that were giants, and they looked half lion. This is the Bible in the days of David. How would you like to fight a dude that's 15, 20 feet and he, and he has a lion head on him? That's according to the Bible. The Bible foretells that in the last days there will be genetic engineering program, again, led by fallen angels. You know where that's at? The book of Daniel. Turn there. Let's go there. Y'all mind giving me 10 extra minutes? 
because this is good. I mean, you won't hear this ever again. I don't know where you're going to find this out. Let's go to Daniel chapter 2, verse 43. While Daniel, while Daniel interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream about the world empire in the last day, he comments, he makes, it doesn't make sense unless you understand Genesis 6. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another even as iron is not mixed with clay. What? Who is the they? The use of the word they separates them independently from the seed of men. So there's some kind of group of people who try to mix themselves among the seed of men. This is the last days. There could be no other than the sons of God repeating the genetic engineering practice in the days of Noah in the last. That's the only interpretation of this. That again, we see them using humans, mixing the seed of men with whoever the they is. Now, the Bible says, as the days of Noah, so shall it be in the last days. Let's look at genetic manipulation today. We are doing exactly what they did back then. Science today is mixing the species of one another with, with another through genetic engineering. In fact, look at this mouse. This mouse was genetically engineered to grow a human ear on its back. Look at that. That's a human ear. They programmed it. They, they, they're practicing. How would you like to hear with your back and let it be a human ear? That's real. By the way, this is the stuff they're showing us. Look at the next one. It's called a panda cow. It's a cow genetically mixed with panda bear genes in which you can actually purchase for 30000 if you want. Now, why would you want a panda bear? A panda cow. It's part panda, part bear, part cow. $30,000. Let's look at this spider goat. This spider goat, these goats produce spider silk when milked, which will allow Nexia biotechnologies to use for bulletproof vests and anti-ballistic missile systems. This is old. They're already doing it. They mixed a spider. That's a spider part goat. And it produces a silk that they're using for nanotechnology and for um, protection. It's six times harder than steel, this silk. And it's lighter than steel. They're producing this. And they're already using. By the way, I found this. I won't get into that. It's just crazy. Just know that they've been doing this for a while. The Raelians. On Friday, January 3rd, 2003, CNN.com reported, Clonate stunned the world last week by claiming that a woman had given birth to the first ever cloned human being, a little girl the company is calling Eve. How cute. Clonate was funded by the members of a sect called the Relians, which believes mankind was created by extraterrestrials. And they like to quote Genesis 6. Rael, go to the next picture. That's Rael. The spiritual leader of the Raelian movement stated, quote, these extraterrestrials came on the earth a long time ago, and through DNA and genetic engineering, they did create life on earth. Now, why is he quoting that? He says, we're only doing what the gods did back in the days. How does a crazy guy named Rael have the money to do this type of, this is science at its edge. This is old now. This is now 2003, and they claim to clone. Now, this makes me sick. Look at the next one. This is the latest. You're looking at a human pig embryo. Now, remember they promised they would never mix human and animals together? Well, they're doing it, and now they're even showing it. You can, this is a human pig embryo. Online article titled, The First Human Pig Hybrid Embryo Has Been Created in the Lab, A Big Step Towards Lab-Grown Organs. 
Research revealed for the first time researchers have successfully grown human cells inside early stage pig embryos in the lab, creating pig human hybrids. The researchers described them as interspecies chimeras. chimeras. Their goal is to one day lead to lab-grown human organs that can be transplanted into those who need them, potentially saving thousands of lives. Saints, you're looking at a thing that is half human, half pig. How would you like to be that poor thing there? What do we even know how it's feeling or thinking? And you know why they're doing it? For us. So if you need uh, lungs or that, well, we got this half human that can just hand it over to you. We just slay it and give it to you. That's the purpose. This ain't future. This is now. As it was in the days of Noah. That's why I'm taking my time reading you those ancient texts. That this is what they were doing with the animals. And humans. See, I'm not talking about something a long way. Let's look at the Nephilim and the UFO end time connection. Talking about the giants and the UFOs. There is the Vatican Lucifer Telescope on Mount Graham in Arizona. Are you familiar with this? There it is. The Vatican Advanced Tele Technology Telescope, or they call it VAT, is part of the Mount Graham International Observatory and is operated by the Vatican Observatory, one of the oldest astronomical research institutions in the world, in partnership with the University of Arizona, which uses Lucifer, one of the world's most advanced optical telescopes. Now, here you got a Vatican-owned observatory, one of the most advanced observatories in the world, and the telescope's called Lucifer. The highway that goes up to Mount Graham is known as the Devil's Highway. It just happens to be 666. That's how you get there. Go on Highway 666 and you get to Lucifer. In 1997, an interview with Art Bell on Coast to Coast AM, Father Malachi Martin was asked why the Vatican, listen to this, was heavily invested in the study of deep space at Mount Graham Observatory. Because they had to fight to get this, the Vatican had to fight to get this obs obs observatory there. Here's what he replied. Listen to this. Because the mentality among those who are at the highest levels of Vatican administration in geopolitics know what's going on in space and what's approaching us could be of great import in the next five years, ten years. Why are they building the most advanced telescope on Mount Graham? Because something is coming towards us that the Vatican is very aware of that could change everything. Authors Tom Horn and Chris Putman assert that the Vatican astronomers are using both the VAT and the LBT, Lucifer instrument, to watch for an alien savior. Why? They're not making this up. This is what the Vatican representatives are saying. Jesuit Guy Casamagno, in fact, you have pictures of him right there, who worked at NASA. So this is not just some regular Jesuit. This guy worked with NASA, taught at Harvard and MIT, so he's not a dummy, and is the leading astronomer for the Vatican stated, he's there at Mount Graham, very soon the nations will look to aliens for their salvation. You have the Catholic Church who runs his observatory. They are half of the Christian community on earth, and they're claiming that we're coming to the point where we're going to look towards the aliens for salvation, not Jesus. Let me show you more things. The author claims that Casomagno revealed to them documents, showing them ancient documents. The Vatican believes, quote, that we are soon to be visited by an alien savior from another world. No wonder why. You know, the Vatican sits on the hill, seven hills. No wonder why, and, and, and the Bible says there's a woman riding a beast. 
and it calls it Babylon, and she's destroyed by fire in one hour. Now it makes sense why God would destroy such an entity that would now begin teaching people that we're waiting for an alien savior. Come on. Because they'll say peace, but what will follow? Destruction. First they're saying peace. Here's some technology. Then before you know it, you're their lunch. Come on. Casamano believes that humans are not the only intelligent beings created by God in the universe and added these non-human life forms are described in the Bible as Nephilim. So even he agrees that this is the Nephilim from Genesis 6, but he believes they're good. In a 2010 interview, he told the Guardian, any entity, no matter how many tentacles it has, has a soul. He made headlines because of this interview in which he said he would offer to baptize an extraterrestrial being of one request. Remember that was the news a few years back? That's the dude who said, when, when they come, we'll baptize them. And they're serious. Now, this is no dummy. MIT, NASA, and they're saying it's coming. They can see it. Let's go deeper. Are you ready to go deeper? You got that blue pill still? Tom Horn's conversation with a member of the Apache Nation. Because the Apache Indians, listen to this, had joined an environmentalist in a lawsuit to try to stop the Vatican, NASA, and ASU from building that observatory. They actually fought with lawsuits to stop them from building. Now, why would the Apache join the environmentalists? Listen to what they say about this mountain. Mount Graham, in their worldview, is one of the four holiest mountains in all the world because it is, according to them, listen to this, a stargate, a doorway, our portal, a specific geographic location on earth through which entities have entered into and exit from the earth, three-dimensional reality since the dawn of the earth. They say, you get off our mountain because this is where the gods come and, and leave. You think there's a reason why they built it on that mountain? Saints, mythology, and science is coming together. And I, I, I hope everyone heard last week's because we're just building. Check this out. According to Chris Putman's book on the path of the immortals, the Indian creation stories told by the Navajo Nation's medicine man, by the way, um, my mother's married to his son, are dating him, a Cherokee guy, so I can validate this information, an Apache representative and the Anazis um, petroglyphs, you're looking at them right now, look at those petroglyphs, they all confirm a consistent story that resembles Genesis 6 and 5 points. In other words, do you see those pictures right there? Those specific pictures tell five things. And let me tell you what the Native Americans say about these five pictures. Point one, in the beginning, the great creator made everything. That's point number one, they say. Does that sound like Genesis? Point number two, listen to this. A powerful reptilian with a halo then came down from heaven through portals, the spiral, the halo, and the reptilian symbols to deceive the world, and the world fell into darkness. Do you see that big dude on the left? That's the reptilian with the halo? Come on, y'all, who's that? That's Satan. This also hinted in one of the meanings of the word Anasazi, because this is Anasazi work. The word Anasazi means an alien enemy. In K4 of the Dead Sea Scrolls, I'm moving you forward somewhere, it describes a watcher, fallen angel named Mikarishe, in the form of a terrifying reptilian whose looks were, quote, I, in fact, I even printed the document, you have it in your notes, were frightening like those of a viper, and he was extremely dark, and his face was like that of an adder. So, you can read right there. I don't have time to read it all, but here we go to the, remember, this is 200 years before Christ, they describe a fallen named Mikarishe, who looks like a reptilian, 
and he has a mean look on his countenance. The same guy you see on these rocks across this side of the world. Come on, saints. Point number three. The portals represented an ancient spiral symbolism beside giant six-toed footprints, horns, and humanoid figures opened at this time, and alien gods, monsters, and giants came through them. Some of these giants had six fingers and six toes, just as described in the Old Testament. Look to your right. Do you see how those hands, see the feet? That's what came through the portals, according to the medicine man. Point four, the creators destroyed the monsters and giants in a, in a great flood. Does that sound familiar to you? Point five, this is what brings us to today. Yet the giants and the reptilian deceivers returned, though not in the same numbers that had been before the flood. They turned the people, listen to this, to sorcery, mind-expanding drugs, cannibalism, and human sacrifice. Here's where this is going to be coming out. I'm giving you information. It has not come out publicly. It's about to come out. The Anasazi culture disappeared because it's been the biggest mystery. What happened to the Anasazi culture? Covers like four states. No one knows. Well, now they know. I'm about to give you the information. They haven't totally released it. It's disappeared because they were literally eaten by these giants. Listen to this. Here's where I got this information. The archaeology of San Canyon Pueblo are excavating where the Anasazi Indians were wiped out so rapidly and viciously. They were literally torn. I'm reading. They were literally torn to shreds where parts of their bones were discovered over a 200-mile radius. It's as if something tore them up so significantly they can... They, they then carried parts of the Anasazi with them for food to eat as they're traveling. In Colorado, the archaeology, the archaeology, sorry, I'm reading too fast. Archaeology team has found two Anasazi giants' remains among them that are about eight feet tall. These giants have huge heads, ready, with six fingers and six toes on each hand and foot. They also have distorted mandibles, or two rows of teeth, like lions. Mm, did you just hear what I said? They now believe the Anasazi were literally eaten alive and their bones are spread over 200 miles. Like they were like, drumstick, keep track of them. <laughs> What's crazy is that they had two rows of teeth like lion's teeth. Go back to Revelation 9 and they had heads of lion, this army that's coming out. Saints, I'm getting the chills. That's why I'm taking my time. Do we have five more minutes? Now, let's go to the Bible. I'm going to close. Isaiah 13, this is bizarre, is about the destruction of Babylon. How many know that Babylon hasn't been destroyed yet? Babylon is Iraq. How many know Iraq's still around? In Revelation chapter 17, Revelation 18, it talks about Babylon is destroyed, is destroyed. It, and it will be destroyed to the point where even the wildest animal won't live there anymore. So it hasn't happened yet. So chapter 13 is talking about the destruction of Babylon, which hasn't happened. So this is future. Are you ready to hear how Babylon is destroyed? This will blow your mind. Isaiah 13, 1 through 3. I'm going to read the Septuagint version, the Greek version, because in the English, in Hebrew it says giant, but they translate it like a poser. They didn't, so you don't really know what it's saying. So let me read the Septuagint version. Isaiah 13, 1 through 3, but it says the same thing. You can go look in you know, your, your concordance and do this. The vision which Isaiah, son of Amos, saw against Babylon. Lift up a standard on the mountain of the plain. Listen to this. Exalt the voice to them. Beckon with the hand. Open the gates, ye rulers. I give command and I bring them. Giants are coming to fulfill my wrath, rejoicing at the same time and insulting. 
The scripture declares in the future that giants will be released on the land to, quote, to fulfill God's wrath. And one of the things they love to do is to insult. These giants, according to the scripture, are released by opening of a gate. A portal. Another dimension. See, we look at the gate. gate. It's not talking about, a, you know, like your garden gate. It says literally there's a gate that's open from one dimension to another. And he says, I'm sending the giants. They're coming through. And they're going to destroy the land. That, they're going to fulfill my wrath. Jesus said, it's going to be so scary when they see them coming to the earth, people are going to die of heart attacks. Revelation 9 describes this genetically engineered army, which I'll get into part two next week. You don't want to miss next week. Now, I'm going to close with this. According to author Steve Quell, in a secret meeting at the Vatican and the Jesuit headquarters. Listen to this. Man, I, this is really hard to find. An official revealed to him that in early 2012, Mount Graham, that place where they have the Lucifer Observatory, listen to this. No one knows this except those who know this, put it that way. In 2012, Pope Benedict went to Mount Graham. It was private, secret. There was a secret meeting on Mount Graham and he was met with an entity through the dimensional gate at Mount Graham. They won't tell you what that gate is, but maybe a star gate. I don't know. They don't give you much. But here's the quote. I'm talking about a dimensional portal. The Pope met with, let's just call this an entity that came through the gates. Oh, my God. So we have the representative of the Vatican, the woman riding a beast, now having communications with beings through some type of dimensional gate, claiming they're about to come on the earth soon. And he, they're thinking, they're claiming these are saviors. Alien. Man, are we not getting ready? And the Bible says that when the devil comes in Revelation, he says he looks like a lamb, but he speaks like a dragon. He looks like a lamb, but, and he has two horns. This dragon, this actually this lamb, that's a re, the religious prophet that comes before the Antichrist. And why? Because he's bringing two things together. Looks like he's bringing Christianity and the new age. And it's a dragon who looks like a lamb. Man. This may sound crazy, but this is coming from the Vatican. This is coming from people from MIT, NASA. I'm not making up stories. But it confers with the Bible. So next week, you don't want to miss Genesis 6 reveals Satan's endgame, part two. Next week, let's stand in the house of the Lord. I do want to say one thing before we dismiss is this. The one beautiful thing in Revelation 9 that describes this army, which we'll go over next week, is there's one group of people that they can't touch. The Bible says the Lord commands that army. Their leader is Abaddon, our destroyer, Apollyon. And he says, you cannot touch the people I mark. Amen. That's you. That's me. So we don't have to be fearful because we've been marked by God. Amen. So there's some crazy stuff about to happen that mentally don't even make sense. 
but it's so supernatural that Paul says even the very elect might be deceived if they're not paying attention because we even now have leaders of Christianity saying hey alien saviors are about to come they're about to come can you close your eyes and bow your head if you're not ready for this you need to give your life to Jesus Christ we are coming so close to the last days Deception's about to come and the only thing that can save you is a relationship with Jesus if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior or you're just kind of being you know lazy with your relationship and you're saying you know pastor I don't want to be here for that I don't want to I don't want to be here or I want to be protected from the last days I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, will you raise your hand right now? If that's you, you're in this place, and you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I'd like to give my life completely over to Jesus Christ. I want to give everyone that opportunity that's in this place. For those who are watching or listening, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to repeat after me. Say, Father, I ask that you come into my heart by your Son, the Lord Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins, but he rose again on the third day. I completely give my life, my heart over to you. I surrender to you. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give a praise offering to the Lord? If you said that for the first time, contact me, Joseph at RadiantLifeAZ.com. We'll get you a Bible. We'll get you baptized, get you filled with the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Love you. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful day. God bless. We thank you for your participation in another broadcast of A Radiant Moment. This broadcast is brought to you by the generous giving and donations of our listening audience. If this program has been a blessing to your life, you can help us expand our listening audience by giving a financial donation at RadiantLifeAZ.com. Simply click the online giving tab and fill out the amount God has placed in your heart. For service times, live streaming, and location, visit us online at RadiantLifeAZ.com. Tune in next time as we bring another relevant and radiant word for your life today. Until next time, and remember, God loves you.